Greetings and welcome to a bountiful New Year bonus from Eastern Promise. It's Best of the Guests Part 2. Originally split over two episodes, our second bonus interview is my chat with Lisa Perkins, Director of Applied Research at BT's R&D campus at Adastral Park. It was a delight to chat with a leader of Lisa's calibre. And on each visit to Adastral Park, you can see technology leaping forward. This interview also hints at a Raiders of the Lost Ark-style warehouse, which I can't confirm I've seen. So, here's Lisa Perkins chatting with yours truly on my visit to BT's campus at Adastral Park, available in its complete form for the first time. It is a real pleasure for Eastern Promise to be here today on Adastral Park, and I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome Lisa Perkins to uh, our humble podcast. Could you just uh, introduce yourself uh, more than I already have and, and say a few words about yourself, please? Certainly. Thanks, Mike. Um, so, yeah, I'm Lisa Perkins. Um, I'm director at BT for Adastral Park, which is the research and development centre for BT, but is also home to 155 other companies um, as part of our tech cluster, which we call Innovation Mastersham. Now, to start with the big question, what does innovation mean to you? Ooh, that's a good question. So what does innovation mean to me? I think it represents anything. No, so it's, it's not technology only uh, limited. Anything that finds uh, a new and inventive way of doing something. Um, what we're interested in BT is, you know, the technological innovations um, that not only do something differently, but with purpose and with um, great effect and great impact. So we talk a lot about purposeful innovation. So finding cool, new, innovative solutions uh, that solve challenges or create opportunities. And we talked a bit uh, this morning um about, or you talked talk to us about, um, why Martlesham, why BT are here, uh, why they've, they've made this, this home for their R&D and their innovation and their applied research. What keeps BT here? Oh, we're delighted that you are here, but what keeps you here? So, um, a number of different things, I think, um, but uh, a big part of it is the 100 acres of brilliant facilities that we have built over the years um, at Adastral. So, um, we have got, obviously, our, our, our office spaces, um, but clearly we drive world-leading research from Adastral Park. And in order to do that, we need numbers and types of different kinds of facility. And what we have on site are, you know, these types of facilities like our test and integration facility, our labs, um, our 
anechoic chambers and so on and so forth. And the fact that we can drive our research, innovation, design, development, test and operations at scale. Mm. Um, so the very reason we moved into Adastral in the very beginning um, was because the landscape suited the testing and the research that we were executing at the time. Um, and we've just grown lots of facilities over time that enable us in a way that actually to replicate anywhere else in the country would not only cost a huge amount of money, would also uh, present a, a significant challenge in terms of finding the space and capability to do that. So kind of that's one uh, reason. Um, the other reason... You know, we're less than an hour away from London. You know, you could argue that you would want to have, you know, that some sort of point of presence such as this in a more central or, uh, you know, kind of a, a town such as London where, you know, there is a large gathering of, you know, people and organisations. Um, well, we're only an hour, an hour up the, up the railway line from, from London. Um, and so actually that, that becomes quite convenient. Um, and... I think what keeps us here as well now is is that over the last few years we've built incredibly good connections with um, the region here. So um, you know the, the the chamber, the LEP, the county councils, um, and we've got we've extended actually our innovation community um, beyond the bounds of Adastral Park so we have lots of projects uh, where we work closely with uh, Suffolk County Council East Suffolk County you know East Suffolk Council um, and and other organizations um, from which we all drive great value um, and is very useful to BT so those are our at least three ideas as mm. to what, what keeps us here. What kind of impact does Adastral Park have on uh, not just the global and the national economy, but the regional and very much local uh, economies? So, so in terms of actual numbers, you know, the GVA of kind of the ecosystem at Adastral is close to a billion pounds for, for the nation. Um, and obviously from, from an East region perspective, uh, I think more... Um, more interestingly than that as a number though is is kind of the 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 impact in real terms that we that we have so obviously we're one of the one of the bigger employers in the region um and that continues and we've got lots um of opportunities in the pipeline um so again i think we present as a a rich opportunity set for the next generation in terms of uh, job opportunities um and to that point another impact that we have had across the region is with our schools program you know we've been running that for over 10 years uh, working really closely with most of um the local schools from primary schools through, through secondary schools and further education colleges um, to create a really effective programme of interventions to inspire the next generation of technologists. So again, creating the opportunities, the job opportunities from a BT perspective, the opportunities from an innovation Martlesham perspective in terms of, you know, helping our innovation cluster tech cluster to thrive and grow and the companies within those to thrive and grow thus begetting more opportunities um, and helping to create the pipeline of skills and talent that feeds um, kind of those opportunities so 
you know, those are, are real impacts, positive impacts for the region. Um, and that, you know, I haven't even gone into, you know, the supply chain impact mm -hmm. that obviously having an organisation such as BT here in the, in the county uh, or the region uh, creates. If you had to characterise uh, the tech industry in this region, how would, you, how would you do that? I mean, I wrote down here, I don't know if this is a good question or not, if sort of imagine if it was, a, you know, the eastern region tech industry had a dating profile, what would that be like? Um, vibrant, uh, thriving, growing, exciting. We, we do talk about ourselves in terms of, you know, one of the biggest digital ICT tech clusters um, across the across the nation, actually. Um, so, and, and, you know, there are some bounds around that in terms of what we mean when we talk about kind of digital and ICT, because obviously Cambridge down the road has got a fantastic, um, you know, kind of innovation cluster that is definitely kind of bigger than our innovation martyrdom cluster but the thing about innovation martyrdom is the specificity around the digital and ict so i think if we put that into the phraseology we can we can claim you know kind of that so it's um and it's impactful as well you know we've we've had lots of success uh from for the whole community in terms of driving value from that ecosystem so those would be some descriptors. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that Adastral Park's role within BT and uh, externally is well enough understood, not just in, in this region, and, but sort of nationally speaking? No, no, I don't. Um, we are continuously on a journey to make it more visible. Um, so... Uh, we often have um, visitors to, you know, we host many, many visitors and very often the commentary is, wow, that's amazing. I never knew. And <laughs> the immediate at face value response to that is great. You know, we've 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 converted somebody, but actually you know, when you reflect back on it, as I do often, I think, yeah, that's again, you know, um, I want to turn that feedback into this is what I'd heard and you have met my expectation because I had always, you know, understood that there was this fantastic yeah. innovation ecosystem that does these amazing uh, innovations and, you know, world-leading research and all the rest of it. So um, there's, a, there's a huge amount still. I think we're... We've turned the dial over the last few years. I think there is better exposure, there's better visibility, but there's still a lot more to be done to, to kind of really um, give the best visibility of everything that happens. So how does uh, a huge brand like BT, uh, I mean, it, it does a lot of uh, philanthropic work. I mean, especially here in the East, you'll see a lot of, sort of programmes for events with the, the iconic purple circle inside it. How does a huge global brand interact successfully at uh, a quite a local level with councils and uh, whether it's Suffolk County, uh, Norfolk County, East Suffolk Council, or even Martlesham Parish Council for that matter? People. So BC, yes, has a, a, a brand presence, is a global organisation, but at the end of the day, it's an organisation of people. Um, so uh, the the reason that I think we have the great success that I believe us to have in the East region particularly is is relating to the fact that we have 4,000 people here on site. Um, we have 
you know, our families live in this region. Um, you know, we, you know, many of those thousands of people are school governors or work in, you know, a voluntary capacity out in the community or run sports teams or coach kids clubs uh, and all the rest of it. So I just think the platform is there. So it's kind of quite an easy transition for us to then make slightly more formal links out into, you know, kind of the, the councils and the LEP and the chamber, but with all with the same intent to kind of make a difference and have a positive impact. If we look at sort of in the, the main three cities uh, in this region, uh, if talking about Norwich, Cambridge, and counting it as a city, Ipswich, um, are we talking about tech corridors when we should be talking about a tech triangle? Yes. Right, okay. <laughs> Basically, yes, yeah. definitely. Um, and if you talk to my colleague in Tech East, Tim Robinson, he, he'll talk about Diamond, because if you then link it down into London, uh, there's a real opportunity, um, you know, uh, if you kind of bring that into the into the game as well, to create this really great um, kind of diamond um shape uh, opportunity <laughs> yeah i asked that question sort of so on the one hand you've got golden triangle on the other hand we don't want to go towards bermuda oh, triangle yes. so <laughs> I was slightly but no diamond is certainly much 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 uh, better better shape and just to flip an earlier question um on its head um as much as bt size can make it easy to sort of get hearings in the sort of the corridors of power nationally globally does that I'm sort of asking the same question in a different way. Does that obscure your local contribution? Is obscure the right word? I understand what you're asking. I think it depends which audience you're talking to, you know. Um, so I think if you were to talk to the regional, you know, teams, uh, you know, that I've just described in terms of LEPs and Chambers and all the rest of it, I think they would be extremely clear probably on both fronts in terms of, you know, kind of what what's happening at a local level in terms of all the many engagements that we've got running um, versus, you know, kind of that more... I guess they might call it more formal, or, or but more more national, more global kind of presence that kind of BT has. So, um, yes, it is multidimensional. And I, and I think, you know, conversely, you could go to other audiences that would only see one or the other you know um so it is um you know we talked about visibility you know is it is there enough um visibility of all the goodness that happens at Adastral? just to use the schools program as an example there is a um, a BT-wide initiative around digital skills to kind of lean in and drive huge impact, positive impact around um, the education for, you know, the nation in terms of digital skills. Um, so there are numbers of programmes that are implemented from a group um, perspective. And what we try to do is uh, adapt and work with those. But what working in a more regional um, context allows us to do is personalize it as well you know and you know adapt but also complement um, the, the, the group initiatives with with more personalized activities so 
that doesn't really answer your question. Does does the kind of the, the, the bigger brand obscure what happens at the regional level? I, I guess the short answer is sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you know perfect answer. Um, I was having a, a very interesting chat to um, Professor Gerard Parr of the UEA about SETI, the Smart uh, Enabling Technologies Institute. And he was telling me about the meetings he'd had in terms of trying to give visibility to what is, to my mind, a very exciting project um, for data manipulation, testbed, kind of thing you're doing so successfully here. And he was sort of relaying a story where he presented uh, to elected representatives and asked for open the Q&A and the first time went up, how will this improve my broadband? So what I wanted to ask was, which of course is not about that at all, are the challenges of technology, uh, of fibre, of 5G and presumably 6G and so on, and of digital communications more generally, are they well enough understood by decision makers and policy wonks in Westminster, uh, in County Hall? Obviously, I can't answer that question in terms of, you know, do do specific individuals really understand the challenges? No, uh, you know, But... Um, do we as an organisation feel sometimes that we don't have the best understanding by the communities in terms of what's actually involved and the challenges that we face in terms of delivering ubiquitous coverage of mm -hmm. some of these technologies? I think we'd have to say that it's a constant battle to, to, to make that clear, mm -hmm. you know, that it's not easy to always take some of the landscape that we have across the country and just deliver fibre. You know, it's it's a huge undertaking with serious civil engineering um, uh, challenges um, that we're innovating, you know, all the time to unpick. You know, um, I think you've, um, on your tour today, saw the drones in the robotics lab. Yeah. So in there, you know, that whole robotics piece is oriented around some of those civil engineering challenges. So how do we, how do we where we are struggling to build um, ducts to lay the fibre um, to connect people, you know, how can we find innovative robotic solutions that will be able to go where no man can go <laughs> <laughs> in order to get the fibre delivered? But, you know, it's it's too easy um, to take a position of, well, we should just be delivering fibre everywhere without properly understanding the terrain, the landscape, the challenges. Even... Critics, I think, would have to accept. We're now speaking in September of 2021, where hopefully we're beginning to see uh, the, the beginning of the end of the, the, the pandemic, although I think I've said that in a few interviews over the past couple of months already. Um, even people who are critical of BT, I think, have to accept that this, the network has stood up to the test that's been put on it uh, quite remarkably. Um, and how important... I suppose my first question is, how important has that success been to BT? And two, from your point of view, were you always confident that that was going to be the case? Um, well, so thank you for recognising um, what I think has been a fantastic achievement um, by everybody involved to, to kind of really make sure that... Actually, I, I can't remember if it's tripled, quadrupled the capacity overnight for people to kind of work from home um, seamlessly, uh, you know, and what that took in terms of, you know, um, delivering that capacity quickly into the network and then keeping the network up, you know, it, it's and, and, and managing it without a hitch has been a phenomenal achievement by all of the teams involved. So it's really... Um, 
it's really great when somebody appreciates that. <laughs> so thank you very much. Did I always um, feel that that was going to be um, the result? Yes, is the answer. Um, we have phenomenal people um, in this organisation um, and they absolutely come into their own when there is a challenge uh, and a challenge that corrals everybody around a you know a particular goal um, and you, you know we saw it at the Olympics when we delivered you know all of the communication infrastructure and cyber security and all the rest of it for the Olympics and that was phenomenal um, we've seen it you know in other programs such as super fast broadband and the rollout and I think this was another example where, you know, those fantastic skills of people with fantastic intent, you know, driven by this purpose of keeping people connected. Um, uh, so so I never for a moment thought that we wouldn't achieve it. Um, you know, we would ride over any hiccups, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we, would, we would get through. Um, I think the first part of your question, though, was... I mean, it was really to talk about how important mm. having done so successfully right. it was to BT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So incredibly important um, from a number of different reasons, right? So incredibly important because we are passionate about keeping people connected. Um, uh, it was, and in that situation, you know, with everything that was unfolding through the pandemic and the fear that everybody was living with in terms of how this was going to impact everybody's lives, it was even more critical than ever before, I think, to make sure that we kept people connected. You know, the, the, the stories that we've heard, you know, in terms of people in care homes not being able to have their families, people in hospitals, you know, I mean, they've been hot breaking stories um, and the only sort of small amount of solace we can take from that is is that you know technology has bridged the gap I mean it will never replace you know the face-to-face -to -face human contact but at least it it gave something in those scenarios um, where actually had the ha this happened 10 years ago maybe um, that would have been a real challenge so I think it was it was first and foremost imperative to BT because we passionately care that people can keep connected and we could help in those situations. Um, second of all, you know, yes, it was a test of our capability, wasn't it? It was a test of, of our networks, of, of, of everything that we've worked towards, you know, in terms of being, you know, the, the best network provider. Um, so I guess there was a, an imperative there to live up to that um, claim. You know, um, so so that was also um, clearly in our minds, uh, you know, as, as kind of a, as an important factor. Um, but also as BT pivots now from, um, well, not pivots, but builds from this fantastic platform of, you know, unsurpassable connectivity into domains around digital products um, and all the rest of it. It was important to demonstrate our prowess in that connectivity piece and in that security and trust layer as well in terms of you know actually there is a trust factor there in terms of you know the things that BT can do and at scale um, so it was important to be able to prove out those things. The key to being a successful futurist is to know what people want before they do 
So how does Industrial Park rise to the challenge of looking to the future, coming up with technology that people don't know they need? It is by being out there, having a global innovation presence. So we have research centres with MIT, with Cambridge, with Belfast, with in Abu Dhabi, in India, in Tsinghua University. Um, so we are... The way that we think about the innovations and how we progress innovations from kind of blue sky thinking to, you know, real tangible propositions is is a kind of a funnel process. You know, so what's really important is that to get the best nuggets out of the bottom of your funnel, you mm -hmm. fill it as wide as you can at the top end with lots and lots of kind of thinking. And that's, you know, kind of the, the, the way that we fill that funnel at the top with that kind of you know, more futuristic outlook is through those conversations, those partnerships globally, the 40 plus collaborations that we have with universities, the collaborative projects, you know, that we work on right across industry, you know, as well as obviously just the, the kind of the sheer graft that we do personally in terms of the, of the research and the insights that we drive as part of that research. So it all feeds that sort of thinking funnel, if you yeah. like. It's just, it, I've got this sort of picture, image of my mind that somewhere here on Adastral Park, there's a bit like, there's a warehouse that's a bit like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where there's technology being kept, that the time's just not there yet. Is that, you're nodding, I was like, is, yeah, is there? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I don't think we've quite got a warehouse, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we might be missing the warehouse, but, you know, Yes, that and that has happened on multiple occasions um, where BT's actually been ahead of its time with particular innovations that had we we waited, you know, just a bit longer to try to, you know, take it to market. Actually, we would have had huge success. <laughs> but unfortunately, the timing was just a bit misstepped and somebody came along a bit later with something a bit more improved. Yeah. And have, have kind of made a huge success from it. Um, and so the pipeline is always is always there. And there are things that, um, you know, sit on pause, maybe on a shelf, yeah. <laughs> waiting for the for the right time, you know. And, you know, a very important part of the research that we do um, is around sorry, an important part of the research that we do is to patent our IPR and um, uh, make sure that, uh, you know, we've got that intellectual property um, really sewn up uh, so that, it, you know, in the event that in the future we kind of need to rely on it, we've got the opportunity to leverage that value. So, yeah, one of the things I actually took from the showcase was when Rob was saying, it's, you know, it's not there yet, but it's coming. To which I was, I, I sort of kept replying, yeah, but there was a time, that, you know, that, that's a great thing because there's a time there was a time for everything that's now with us, like yeah. smartphones, when that was, you know, it's coming. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, um, isn't BT the patent holder for the talking of smartphones? When you turn your smartphone, screen flips. Yeah. That came from here. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's just a really good example of, um, as well, that the stuff that's out there that, that people just now completely take for granted that actually... And the pandemic has, has acted as a an accelerator, hasn't it? Mm. Significantly in terms of technology terms, you know. So before the pandemic people generally didn't really talk to each other on video calls. 
now I think it's really hard <laughs> to have a call without the video element because you know we've just got so used to it over the over the pandemic so the acceleration and uh, of the adoption I mean that technology and capability has been around for absolutely ages yeah um, so it's not a new capability but the adoption of that capability has accelerated massively over the pandemic I mean my 90 one-year-old mother um you know at the start of the pandemic i bought her the facebook portal because it's dead easy she only has to press one button to accept mm. a, a call and now you know and that's been an absolute godsend for her but you know prior to the pandemic there's no way she would have <laughs> and uh, you know uh, allowed any kind of piece of equipment such as that into the house you know so. oh, funny story i'm saying with jeff uh, my engineer is also my father-in-law um during the height of the pandemic, we did a carol service okay. over over Zoom just for the family and just because we couldn't get to, to, to the local ones. And a um, bit of a challenge with latency, but as much because my, my father was playing the keyboard in the East Midlands and the rest of the family was sort of here, uh, my brother in the Midlands and the rest of the family here. And although my father was getting quite upset that everyone needed to turn their mics off, we were killing ourselves laughing because it was just <laughs> the, the latency had sort of inattended effects making it incredibly funny um but um because we couldn't we couldn't marry anything well, next time you'll be able to do it over 5g and ah, your yes, latency no, will, will dissipate and you'll have a very serious carol concert <laughs> yes indeed that's almost slightly disappointing but i'm glad i sort of gave you the opportunity to mention sort of the, the lower latency of 5g <laughs> so one we've talked about the visibility <laughs> number one it would be that everybody knows what's happening at Dasher Park and is proud, you know, proud of this fantastic asset in the east of England. Um, uh, so that's that's definitely one, and we're working on that. Um, two is to just grow and deepen or, or broaden, broaden and deepen, the, the expertise and the areas that are across site. So, for instance, you know, I'm talking currently about setting up a health innovation centre so you know health from the perspective of you know digital health um, and what we can do around uh, around that area but you know in my my vision I would like numbers of different innovation centres across those kind of sectors and become you know world-renowned for the development of you know kind of the the, the solutions that transform the NHS potentially you know and kind of bring or iron out or face into the challenges that the NHS has in terms of the operations of its environment to deliver, you know, fantastic patient and client experience, for example. So numbers of those. I guess I would love, you, you know, we're working on it with the Digitech Centre, you know, I would love it to be, you know, even more um, diverse as a community on site in terms of obviously we've now got our uh, University of Suffolk students on site but wouldn't it be great to have other university institutes on site you know actually resident with us so that we're further diversifying that fusion of um, you know science research and business opportunity you know that kind of purpose that after all we started back in 1846, <laughs> wherever it was, with Wheatstone and Cook. Um, so, but seeing that in material terms. Um, and then, I mean, the one that probably everybody would leap to immediately that I've deliberately left last <laughs> is, um, you know, the aesthetics of, of, of kind of the, the place. Obviously, we've got 
you know, 100 acres, 55 buildings, um, many, you know, very old buildings with lots of sort of challenges in terms of running them and all the rest of it. I would love to see, um, you know, a kind of a, a, a very exciting uplift of the aesthetics of, of kind of what the site looks like so that actually you know you're you're wowed right from the get-go as you walk through the gates as to the amazingness of the site I mean what's absolutely the reason I've very deliberately left that last is because we wow people anyway yes with, with the buildings as they are and actually that's not as important as the content of what actually happens here um but it would be great um to be able to to to, to create that real wow experience as well when new innovations are made here on the park how do those sort of percolate their way up to yourself is it as simple as you know the phone ringing and the sort of breathless engineer at the end of the day, you've got to come and have a look um or, or is it sort of very more formal and planned process there are so many ways so um yes people just contact me <laughs> i've had an idea and that's quite exciting in fact i just had one today um so that happens. Um, obviously, we've got formal research programs, informal themes that are research in particular areas that are directing, you know, kind of innovations. So that's kind of a more formal model. Um, then we've got obviously all of the work that we do across the innovation mastership ecosystem, helping connections between companies and connections with those companies with BT and finding the innovations that marry up and all the rest of it. Um, but we also run competitions and events, you know, to try and encourage um, that innovative thinking, you know, so you know, potentially setting a particular challenge or a particular theme and, uh, you know, incentivizing people to give us their ideas um you know is is, a, is another you know method in the toolkit there's a, a very it was a very interesting article on bt's own website um and i'll just read a bit uh for you um our industry can be the lifeline to pull together a digitally inclusive society we've got a flavor of that from the the showcase do you want to just talk to what that means for yourself personally yeah, I mean, I guess it just comes from the intention that, you know, everybody should have access, you know, it sh you know to digital um, capabilities, you know, recognising the value and opportunities that that creates. So um, we have um, numbers of different programmes. So I guess that I'm going to split into two things. I'll, I'll t talk first about skills actually associated with digital inclusivity. So um, we touched on this earlier, but one of the core group ambitions around, you know, kind of tech skills and digital inclusivity is oriented around, you know, skills not just at school and, you know, for, for the next generation, but very much around, you know, helping everybody to become... Um, capable of using, you know, digital content or digital devices and, uh, you know, efficiently. So there's a whole programme of work to, 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 you know, across the nation to kind of drive up digital skills in, in, in that domain. From an innovation perspective, um, obviously we're always looking at how we, how we make technology more accessible um and how therefore do we simplify it how do we create you know technology with the best user experience so that it's intuitive you know how do we you know um 
how do we if it's a device or an app you know how do you interact with that interface um in a logical fashion that doesn't mean you have to go and hunt for a 150 page manual or or the the equivalent or what have you um or if it's a you know a service you know a wi-fi service or you know it connects automatically we've got some really great innovations in terms of for example in your smart home um if you think about um, an environment where you might want lots of different types of devices. You know, you might want something that's your ring doorbell. You might want something that's, um, you know, automating your blinds. You might have a remote vacuum cleaner <laughs> and all the rest of it. But critically, what you've got, whatever you choose those items to be, are lots of different devices sitting on lots of different platforms, probably with different interfaces. Um, and you either have to be across all of those things and be quite tech savvy to kind of make that happen. Or, you know, we, we are looking at uh, really exciting innovations that just cut through all of that complexity so that almost all you have to do is unpack the device and it does everything for you, you know, and um, sort of self-selects where the Wi-Fi is and how you want to use it and what your profile is and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we're, we're looking all the time for the solutions that cut through complexity and mean that, you know, this did, you know we can make everything everything as inclusive as we possibly can in terms of the digital environment. Um, and obviously there are, you know, challenges with everything, but, you know, you think about privacy, data and all the rest of it, you know, those things need to be overcome to kind of really create the pain-free, seamless experiences that we all long for. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to about the end of the uh, interview, and um, I'll thank you properly in a second, but before I do, uh, I'd like to have the last question of the interview to be more of a slightly whimsical one. I don't know why, I just do. And I was giving, trying to give it some thought about what the best question you've asked me. And I, if you could create one app to make your life easier, what would that be? Oh, my gosh. So one app that would make my life easier, yeah? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there you go. Go for that um, one. A memory app. Me too. <laughs> Definitely a memory <laughs> app. So... Um, my wonderful, wonderful team have now become my extended memory bank. <laughs> so when we have meetings, um, conversations, and we, we have a discussion or something, you know, an important point is kind of made, I now ask my team to remember those things <laughs> because I can't trust that I will remember everything. Um, so if I had an app um, that knew... Because obviously I wouldn't remember from the app what I was asking the app to remember. I need an app that remembers and can deduce what it is that I am really looking for and present me with the with the answer. So what was the conversation that I had when I was talking to somebody that I can't remember <laughs> about some topic that I'm not sure about, and it, it would it would give me the answer. That would be that would really make my life a lot easier. Well, luckily you're in the right place to get that sort of thing developed. But Lisa Perkins, thank you ever so much for welcoming uh, Eastern Promise to Adastral Park. It's been a lot of fun and an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm visiting Adastral Park again very soon, and I look forward to seeing technology leap forward once more. Thank you once again to Lisa Perkins, whom I hope to interview again in the near future. From me, 
Mike Rigby at Eastern Promise. A happy new year, and I hope to have your company again when the podcast returns properly on the 12th of January. <laughs>